0: Thank you for watching today. I pray that the message you're about to hear will empower you to use your voice, help change the way you think, and refresh your spirit. If you'd like to follow along with Pastor's Notes, you can find them on the on-demand page of walkingbyfaith.tv or on our app. In Matthew 15, 18, it says, But the words that come out of your mouth come from your heart, and they are what make you unfit to worship God. Last week, we learned that we need to say in order to use our faith. Today, Pastor Duane will be showing how to teach your heart what to believe so that we can say. Let's jump right in.
1: Today, we're going to continue speaking about faith. Now, I just want to say, I want to say thank you to everybody that's here. But you may not realize this, but you're doing yourself a favor. You know, we've become like the one that we worship. But the Apostle Paul said this. He said, I plant I planted Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. Now, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. It's got to be planted, but it's not enough just to plant the word. Paul said he planted, but Apollos watered. And when we receive the word of God, the Bible tells us it's a seed. In fact, the Bible calls itself the incorruptible seed. So it gets planted. But how many of you know if a farmer plants a seed and it never gets watered, there's trouble? And, and so often where we miss it is in that watering process. But every time you hear the Word of God and you're meditating in the Word of God, you are watering that seed. And then when it gets watered, it grows and there is the increase. In Luke chapter 18 in verse 6, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, when Jesus returns... He refers to himself again and again as the son of man. He said, will he really find faith on the earth? So I, I, I grasp two things out of this. Number one, God looks for faith. God is moved by faith. In Hebrews eleven six, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Let me say it to you like this. Without faith, you cannot connect with God. You cannot receive from God. You cannot please God without faith. So when Jesus comes back, he's going to be looking for, he's going to look for faith. You see, a a lot of times people just think God is moved by need, that we see a great need. But how many know there's needs everywhere that don't get met? Or, Or we think that God is going to be moved by our complaining or by our crying, but God is not moved by complaining. In fact, probably most of us have had something like this happen. We're we're praying, at least we think we're praying. And then God says, You're not praying, you're complaining. Jeannie talks about how she would talk to the Lord about me when we were first married and said, God, what's wrong with this guy? You know, there's this and there's this and there's this, and God fixed him. And God said, Hey, you're not praying, you're complaining. God is not moved by your complaining. And he's not moved by need, but God is moved by faith. And when Jesus comes back, he says, I'm going to be looking for faith. And he says, will I even find faith on the earth? So so what Jesus is saying is faith is a rare commodity. I, I said this, I think, last week, maybe the week before, but in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13, it says, since we have the same or the identical spirit of faith. See, the most precious possession that you could ever have on earth is a spirit of faith. It pleases God. It can receive from God. It connects with God. And without it, none of us can please God. So Romans 3, verse 27 says, but by the law of faith. I know I've said this before, but I want to say this again because we've got to grasp this. See, so often we have this picture in our mind that is something like this God is in heaven with his big desk. And he's got this stack of prayer requests. And he grabs the first one. And Mary, Mary's praying for it. Well, Mary, Mary did not pray or read her Bible this week. Billy Bob, Billy Bob, Billy oh, Bob, Billy Bob, he lusted. And when we see God up there looking at every individual request, and based on our performance, God is either going to answer or not answer. I just want to tell you that that is not at all the truth. See, you receive from God based on faith, and it is the law of faith. Now, gravity is a law because it works every time. You get on a 10-story building, and you walk off the edge. How many times will you fall? Every time. If you only fell 99% of the time, it would be a phenomenon. But it works every time. Every time. Faith is a law. We understand that there's laws in the physical realm. But so often we ignore the fact that equally there are laws in the spiritual realm. And those laws don't work 50% of the time. 99% of the time. They work 100% of the time. So let's go over to James chapter 3. I've got a long introduction and a long message, but I'll at least get through the introduction, I hope. (laughs) James 3, verse 2. I want to read this from two different translations. I'm going to start with the uh, Amplified translation. It says... For we all stumble and fall and offend in many things. And if anyone does not offend in speech, never says the wrong thing, he's a fully developed character, a perfect man, able to control the whole body and curb his entire nature. We set bits in horses' mouths to make them obey us, and we can turn their whole body about. Likewise, look at ships. Though they are so great and are driven by rough winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the impulse of the helmsman determines. Even so, the tongue. Now, just like a ship, it's in a storm, but the storm doesn't determine where the ship goes. The rudder determines the direction of the ship. Now, the Bible says, even so, the tongue. Your tongue is the rudder to your life. And as your tongue goes, as your words go, so goes your life. Remember, Proverbs 18, 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And they that love it will eat its fruit. In other words, those that understand and practice it will reap the benefits. We have to understand the power that is in the words that we speak. Even so, the tongue is a little member and it can boast of great things, see how much wood or how great a forest, a tiny spark sets ablaze. The tongue is a fire. The tongue is a world of wickedness set among our members, contaminating and depraving the whole body and setting on fire the wheel of birth. The cycle of man's nature itself being ignited by hell. Now, a couple of things. The, notice in this, that sixth verse, it talks about the wheel of birth. The other translations say the wheel of nature. In other words, you begin to say things and because of the words that you speak, you put laws into motion that begin to affect your life to the point of bringing either life or death. Notice it says that your tongue is ignited. Other translations say set on fire by hell. In other words, the devil will take the words that you use, the words that you speak out of your mouth and use those very words against you. In uh, Ephesians, it tells us to take the shield of faith with which we will quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, I believe that 80% of all the fiery darts that come against you come out of your mouth. The Bible says that your mouth is set on fire by hell. It is ignited by hell. In other words, Satan is trying to get words out of your mouth that he can grab hold of and use against you want you to keep that thought in your mind because we're going to come back to it in a moment. Message Bible, same verses. We get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouth. That's a good way to start. I remember when Jeannie and I first got married 45 years ago. Uh, we, we were talking about this and, and studying this, and uh, we, we, we said, no, now. now I said to her, Jeannie, I said, honey, if I say something I shouldn't, I said, please correct me. And she said, well, if I say something I shouldn't, you know, please correct me. I cannot tell you how many times I said something, and then Jeannie said this, is that what you're believing God for? Whoa, oh, I got help coming. Help coming. Do you
2: want to know the story? Which one? Well, I just, I just remembered the, the big incident we lived out on Polk Street and it it dead-ended into whatever that other cross street was and when it was icy and and we Dwayne is an awesome driver. Awesome. Amazing. I mean he's avoided so many accidents cuz he has really <laughs> quick reaction and, and the right things. Just tell so it so. just shocked me when <laughs> when when we He'd start to break, and you know how sometimes it doesn't matter what speed you're going, if you hit ice in the winter, the car just does what it wants. And, and it's starting to, so we're at this cross, we're at the stop sign, we're just going right through the stop sign, and we're sliding, and there's a big ditch over there and he's saying, we're in the ditch, we're in the ditch, we're in the ditch. And I'm sitting over there, I bind that in Jesus' name, we're not in the ditch, we're not in the ditch. And and I think the second time he did that, that's when we talked about, okay, let's receive, if if you say something you shouldn't and I correct you, is it okay? So aren't you glad we didn't go in the ditch? Praise God.
1: Thank you. (laughs) Okay, back to James, chapter three. Verse two, we get it wrong nearly every time we open our mouths. If you could find someone whose speech was perfectly true, you'd have a perfect person in perfect control of his life. A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets the course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. Now notice it says like the ship goes through a storm, it's the rudder that determines where that boat's going to go. The Bible says your tongue is the rudder as you and I go through the storms and the situations and the difficulties of life. What are we saying? Again, Revelation 12 verse 11 says they overcome him, the enemy, By the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So that word out of your mouth, it says it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. It only takes a spark, remember, to set off a forest fire. A careless or wrongly placed word out of your mouth can do that. By your speech, you can ruin the world. Turn harmony to chaos. Throw mud on a reputation. Send the whole world up and smoke and go up and smoke with it. Smoke right from the pit of hell. Romans chapter 10 and verse 6. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Remember when Jesus was explaining to his disciples about the subject of faith. He begins. Now, I mean, know, Jesus knows more about faith than any of us. And and, and if we were to get together and say, what's faith? Uh, Most Christians will say faith is trust, faith is confidence, faith is being fully persuaded, and all those things are true. But when Jesus was teaching his disciples how to flow in faith, the first thing that Jesus said was, Verily, I say unto you that whosoever will say. So faith will move your mouth before it will ever move a mountain. First thing faith moves is your mouth. But notice what Jesus said. He said, verily, many of your translations say it this way, truly, truly. Now, the one thing we all know about Jesus is that he always tells the truth, right? He always tells the truth. So when Jesus begins a conversation with you and Jesus says to you, because he's talking to his disciples, they've been with him now for three years. They, They know Jesus. And Jesus starts this conversation and he says, truly, I say to you, means two things. Number one, Jesus will tell you the truth. Number two, you will not believe it. When he tells you starting out, I'm telling you the truth. It's because he knows you won't believe it. Jesus is saying, when I explain to you how faith works, you will think that can't be right. There's got to be more to it than that. That can't be that That doesn't make sense. And listen, the spiritual laws sometimes do not make sense to our natural carnal mind. And Jesus is saying, look, guys, this is how it works, and you're gonna, I'm going to tell you, and you won't even believe me. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say. So there's some things that faith will say, because it's going to talk about that. But then it also says there's some things that faith will not say. It will not say. Who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Christ up from the dead? Now, some of you have heard this, this may mention this before, but uh, here's the thing um, about preaching I only have one life. So I've only got a certain number of things that happen. So I'm going to tell you the same stories again and again. But, uh, I grew up here in, in West Michigan and, and uh, m- my father was in World War II, uh, landed at Normandy on D-Day. Uh, most of the people in his platoon did not make it. And it, it, it had a really, really strong effect on him. Uh, he didn't like to talk about the war very much. It's hard to get him to say anything about the war. He would just he say it was so terrible, so terrible, so terrible. But what he did say was this. He said, I should have died in the war with my friends, and I'll never live to be old. I'll never live to be 50. I should have died in the war with my friends. And I'll never live to be old. I'll never live to be 50. I heard him say, I'll never live to be 50. I'll never be old. I'll never live to be 50. 49 years old. gets an aneurysm, and he dies. Now, the Bible says that faith will not say certain things. And James says that what we do is we open the door for hell or for the devil by the words that we speak. I believe that the devil took the words that came out of his mouth and used those very words against him and stole years of his life that he should have had. But the righteousness of faith speaks in this way. Do not say, who will ascend into heaven to bring Christ down? Um, In one form or another, I have had people say this so many times. We'll be talking about healing, and they'll say, I I want you to pray. And I'll say, well, we're going to pray. You believe you're going to receive. Pastor, I know that if Jesus would just come and just appear to me and just touch me, I know if I could just touch Jesus' garment, I know if Jesus would just give me a vision, I know, I know, I know. Now, We look at that and think, wow, they have strong faith. But the Bible says the exact opposite. The Bible says faith will not demand a personal appearance of Jesus. It will not say who will bring Christ down so I can touch his garment, so he can lay his hands on me, so he can speak a word over me. We think that's faith, and the Bible says that is not faith. Now, 1 John 3, verse 23, says, and this is his commandment, What is the commandment that Jesus gave us? What is that commandment? This is what 80 to 90% of us are gonna say to love one another. So now, let's read it. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another. So the commandment has two parts. It's one commandment, but it has two parts. One part is love one another. So if you said that, you get a 50%. But the other part is to believe in the name. So to believe in the name is to believe that when you speak that name and you have faith in that name, it has the exact same authority and power and results as if Jesus was there physically present. Jeannie and I have been married for 45 years. When we got married, her her maiden name was Applegarth. But when we got married, she became a Vanderclock. The next day, she could go to the bank and with just one little stroke of her pen, she could get every dollar in the account, right? Did I have to be there? No because she had faith in the name, see? And so often we're wanting a physical presence of Jesus, but the Bible says that's not what faith does. Faith does not demand a physical presence of Jesus. We're to have faith in the name of his son, Jesus Christ. So then in uh, the eighth verse, I'm going to skip some stuff here. It says, but what does it, faith, say? So faith is always saying something, but what does the righteousness of faith say? It says, the word is near you. Now, here's what we often think. If, if Joyce Myers would just pray for me, if Andrew Womack would just come, or, or uh, Benny Hinn, or, or whoever the person is, Or if I could just go to this place, if I could just do that. But the Bible says, but what does faith say? What does it say? It says the word is near you. One translation says the word is nearer than you think. The answer is nearer than you think. It's in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith, which we preach. We're so often, we're looking to somebody else we're looking for something else, but the answer is nearer than you think. The answer is in your mouth and in your heart, even the word of faith which we preach. Again, 2 Corinthians 4.13, since we have the same, the identical, the carbon copy spirit of faith. Faith did not work one way in the Bible and another way today. The history, the Bible says, I believed therefore I spoke. We also believe, therefore we speak. In the Bible, it worked because they believed and they spoke. But the law of faith has not changed. It works now when you and I believe and we speak. It hasn't changed at all. But what does the righteousness of faith say? The word is near you, it's in your mouth, and it's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. So our faith needs to be in two places. It needs to be in our Heart, and it needs to be in our mouth. And then it gives us an example. For if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So what do you do? You confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart. Colossians chapter two, I think it's verse six, but it might not be. It says, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Now, how many of you know how you got saved? You believed in your heart and you spoke with your mouth. Now, the Bible says, as you received him, so walk in him or so live your Christian life. The same way you got saved, you believed and you spoke is the way you receive peace, joy, healing, provision, deliverance, everything that we receive from God, we receive in the same way. We believe in our heart and we say it with our mouth. Verse 10, for with with for with the heart one believes, speaking here under righteousness, but it's just the truth. The principle is the same. For with the heart one believes, and with the mouth confession is made unto. So we have to believe it, and we have to speak it. Both are part of the spirit of faith. Hebrews 11, verse 3. So that was the introduction. So now we're going to get a little bit of the message. All right. Hebrews eleven three. 3. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. So we understand that everything that we see, the worlds, were framed by the word of God. So God said, let there be light, and there was light God spoke things into existence now they were made out of things that are not seen literally it came from the spiritual realm into the natural realm but here's the thing I want you to to grab hold of this has helped me so much everything that you can see taste touch or smell the parent force that created it was words the parent force was words and everything that was created by words will respond to words. Everything that was created by words will respond to words. So here's what God, God, values his word. In fact, Psalms 89, 34 says, My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that's going out of my lips. My covenant I will not break nor alter the word that's going out of my lips. When God speaks something, it is literally, he he guards it, but it literally becomes spiritual law. When God speaks something, he said, I'm not gonna alter what's going out of my lips. Now, what Jesus said in Mark 11, he said, and shall not doubt in his heart, listen, and believe those things which he says will come to pass. So you got to believe what you say will come to pass. It says, then you'll have whatsoever you say. So you can't doubt what you say. Now, When Jeannie and I graduated from Bible college, we'd just been married less than a year. And uh, in fact, we celebrated our, our first year anniversary. We were missionaries in Mexico. But both of us will never forget our first day in Mexico. We arrive in Guadalajara, and we've come to help a missionary that's already there. And we get word that there's going to be a service that night. He says, Oh, well, we're going to have church service tonight at 7 o'clock. You know, we're good little, I'm a good little Dutch boy, so I get there at 630, right? I mean, I remember my grandpa. I, I don't know how old I was, six, seven, eight years old. He sits me down. He says, no, you are, he says, you are on time if you're five minutes early. He says, and if you're on time, you're late, and you should always be 10 minutes early at everything. Now, you maybe weren't brought up that way, but that, I mean, that was like, that was like a law at our house, okay? So we get, to, we get to church early. I mean, we're excited. We just moved from the United States to Mexico. We're down there to help. We get there, 6.30, we wait, quarter to seven, 10 to seven, five to seven, seven o'clock, five, 7.05, 7.10, 7.15, 7.20. Nobody's there. Door's not even open. We think, well, oh, we must have misunderstood or something. We go home. Next day, oh, we had a great church service last night. You should have been there. And we're like, what? No, you didn't. I said, we were there. We stayed there until 7.20. There wasn't even, oh, oh, well, we opened up at about 7.30 and then we had church like at eight o'clock. And we said, well, you told us seven. Well, we always we, well, we just tell people to be there an hour before we really mean you should be there. <laughs> so, so we had some adjusting to do in our, in our, uh, in our thinking But here's what you're doing. When you say you're going to be there at seven and you don't leave your house until seven, listen, you are teaching your heart that what you say does not matter. Somebody says, well, I say stuff and it just doesn't seem to come to pass. You see, because you've been teaching your heart for years that what you say doesn't matter. And Jesus said for faith to work for you, he said, you cannot doubt in your heart but believe that those things which you say shall come to pass. You gotta teach your heart that when you say something, you do everything that you possibly can in order to make that thing come to pass. Now, I know some people think, oh, you're just being nitpicky. Now Luke 16, 10 says this. It says, if you're faithful in little, you'll also be faithful in much. But if you're unfaithful in little, you'll also be unfaithful in much. It's a spiritual principle. What you do with the little things is what you'll do with the big things. And we need to grab hold of that, and we need to value the things that we say. Now, I know this is a really bad place to end, but I'm going to do it anyhow because I want it to grab hold of you. Now, if you do not value your word and keep your word, you're ungodly. Now, when we say ungodly, you think, ooh, you know, some terrible sin. You're a thief or you're, you're, you're immoral. No, to be ungodly just means to be unlike God. Unlike God. You see, the word that comes out of his mouth, he will not alter. And he watches over his word to perform it. See, and some of the reason why for some people it seems like I say it but it doesn't happen It's because you don't really believe it in your own heart. Because the words that you say, you don't try to do what you have said. You say one thing, but yet you disregard it. You consider it as unimportant. But if you're not faithful in the little, and if the little things are not important to you, you're not going to be able to believe God in the big things. So we've got to teach our heart that when we say something, it's important to us. And we'll do everything that we can to make that thing come to pass. You need to believe the words that you speak. Now, in order to change what comes out of your mouth, because Jesus said this, he said, out of the abundance of your heart, your mouth speaks. So what we've got to, I'm really talking a lot about changing what you say. But to change what you say, you have to change what's in your heart. You've got to change what is in your heart. And that's why it's so important, not just the things that you say, but the things that you and I think about. Because those things, they get down on the inside in our heart. 2 Corinthians 10, verse four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We need to be very careful about the things that we're thinking about, the things that we're meditating, because those things get in your heart. And when they get in your heart, eventually they will come out of your mouth because faith needs to be in our heart and in our mouth. See, I want to thank you for being on the program with me. Do you know the Bible says that we should know that we have everlasting life. Many people simply assume, well, I know about God and I'm right with God. And I hope when I die, I'm gonna go to heaven. But the Bible says, know that you have. You need to know you're forgiven, know you're right with God. You say, how can I do that? Because God can't lie. He said, whosoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And if you're away from God today or you don't know where you stand with God, and you say, I wanna be right with God today. I want to pray this prayer with you. I want to call on the name of the Lord the way the Bible tells us to. And the Bible says, we'll be saved. So I'm going to ask you to repeat this prayer from your heart out loud. Just say, oh God, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe his blood paid for my sins. I believe he rose again and I give him all of my heart and all of my life. I hold nothing back. I'm going to live for jesus every day he is my king jesus is my lord i thank you you've heard my prayer i'm forgiven i'm right with god i'm on my way to heaven in jesus name amen you know god heard that prayer if you prayed that prayer from your heart and you are right with god now i wrote a book to help you keep on growing spiritually i want to send it to you free of charge now there's information on your screen, you can download that book free of charge or you contact us and we will give it to you free of charge. We wanna be a blessing to you. Thank you for being with us. God bless you, we love you.
0: If you just prayed that prayer with Pastor Dwayne, you are making one of the best decisions of your life and we're so excited for you. Just as Pastor said, we'd love to send you a free copy of his book, Your New Life. Log on to walkingbyfaith.tv and have it mailed to you. Download it right there instantly. Or you can find it on our app. It's absolutely free and a great resource for you to have. We believe that when you confess God's word over your life daily and you begin to meditate on it, it will change your life. Check out the Confessions section of the Walking by Faith app on the home screen. You can also listen to all past sermons, submit a prayer request, check out the weekly devotional and so much more. Look for it in your favorite app store today. Walking by Faith is reaching the world with the truth of God's Word on and off the air. If this ministry is blessing you and feeding you spiritually, please consider becoming a partner by going to walkingbyfaith.tv give. Find us on Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and on your favorite social platform by searching for WBF TV. I pray that you'll be able to find new ways to teach your heart this week. We'll see you again next time.